Hey, this is Pam Perry. So we are live here with the Speakers Magazine show with two powerhouse women, uh, women of wealth or women of, of abundance, women of overflow, women that could talk about money and they know about it. Uh, Dr. The Speakers Magazine this month, the theme is green, uh, talking about uh, really manifesting money. And I have with her also another young lady. So uh, Simone Shepard. So let me just give you a little bit about uh, Monique. Monique uh, wrote a book uh, a while ago called Embrace Your Inner Millionaire. And she's known as the overflow coach and she helps women fix their relationship with money so they can stop worrying about it, stressing over it, chasing after it, and finally start manifesting more of it. Simone, that word you use, right? Um, she helped hundreds of women develop a foundation of for lasting wealth through her step-by-step -step coaching programs and workshops. Now, Simone, on the other hand, is so they they have met for the first time today. Uh, she really cares about a financial legacy. She's devoted her career. Uh, she's a part of the Million Dollar Roundtable to ensuring that people and their businesses have all the tools and the strong financial foundation for the future. She specializes in providing her clients with tools to create financial education, wealth strategies intergenerational legacy. And all of that, she says, while knowledge is power, financial knowledge is freedom. She likes the word freedom, Monique. Um, and her clients have been empowered to understand the secrets of financial success. So right after this, we're going to bring both of these beautiful ladies up. Okay. All righty. So we will see you shortly. All right. <laughs> oh, my God. I am so excited. This is going to be such a good show. First of all, thank you, Monique. Thank you, Simone, for taking time out today to really um, join us on the show. Talk about money. Uh, I want to dig a little bit into your background, but just really give women some real concrete tips of what you go about speaking about is part of your career, but obviously you speak, that's why you're in Speakers Magazine show, but you speak about this as, as well. And so I'm so excited because money, mindset, manifesting, abundance, overflow. I didn't really talk a little bit about Simone. One of the things that just how I got on her radar is that I was Googling some things, <laughs> Simone, and I saw that you are part of the Women's Presence Organization and also about women elevating women. And so that was really resonated with me because that's what Monique is about. That's what Sisternomics is about. And so typically, and this is the first time ever, Monique, that I've ever had a guest with you when you're on the cover, but I felt it was so aligned. I mean, it was like so aligned. And when you said, yes, Simone, I said, this is divine. So Monique <laughs> had to move some things around. She was like, okay, but it's so divine. So. Let's start with Simone and then Monique, we're going to get into to your story as well. So Simone, give us a Thank little you. bit of your Thank you, Pam, for your energy. It is amazing <laughs> to start the afternoon with this great conversation. Um, yes, I'm definitely a part of a lot of fantastic women's group. 
Um, my favorite is definitely the Bow Collective as well, Black Owners Women Collective. We make up of 1% of the nation's top women, uh, African-American women in business. So I got to give a little plug to that organization. But I really did start my journey early in financial services. Um, my father is a head accountant uh, for 40 years. So I would wow. say at 13, I had a bank account. Oh, I was, yeah. had a great relationship with money. And I really think that's the start. I learned so much from my clients on where they, what they learned about money early on. So I do challenge women to, and those in general, to look back at what, how did my parents operate with money? You can really get to the root, almost like a therapy session sometimes. Like, what did they teach you? What did you learn? You know, what is your emotional attachment to money? And I think that should be the foundation of the conversation. That's why I wanted to kind of lead in with that. Um, to think about those things, like, are you emotional spender, right? When you get sad, is it like I'm compensating through purchasing something to make me feel a void? So I, I oftentimes feel that, especially with women, that we're, we're it's food, it's things to comfort us uh, overspending, you know, so really go deep into the psyche, if you will, and understanding, you know, your personal relationship with money, how you feel about talking about money. Some people get, it's uncomfortable, the conversations, understand why it's uncomfortable. So I, I definitely feel that it is more than just, you know, I want to grow wealth. I want to be wealthy. It's first understand what your relationship with money is um, before you begin this journey. I love that. I love that. So, uh, Monique, I'm going to pull you over here to the side here. Okay. You look at, look at my producing skills over here. <laughs> so I, I say that because Monique's background was in media. Uh, she's a TV host and she was top of her game doing the radio show for many years in Chicago, which is a major market. It wasn't like you know, a little back, back road city. It was a major city and she was on and she had a booming career. So uh, Monique, give us a little bit because Simone talked about her relationship with money. Yeah. So give us a backstory about how you came into be the overflow coach and your relationship with money mm -hmm. coming out of the media. First of all, Pam, can I just say thank you for putting Simone and I together because this is incredible. The several things that you said, Simone, made my heart, my spirit leap because you, your story, while we have a lot of similarities, I'm sure, as we'll find out as we get to know each other, uh, there was a one major difference that I already know between the two of us. And that is that you were fortunate to have parents who helped you establish a healthy relationship with money and you you know, you understood money at an early age. And while my parents are amazing human beings, thank God for them and everything that they did for me, uh, the, the, the relationship that I established with money um, was not so great. And, and that's okay. It's not a bad thing because whatever our relationship with money is, it is what it is. And it represents an opportunity for us to learn different things, different habits, different beliefs, different behaviors. And so, you know, in, in our home, my parents were hardworking. They worked two and three jobs to make ends meet. And the thing that I sensed around money when I was growing up was a lot of tension. 
you know, there was a lot of stress around money. And, and so that's why it's so important that we as women really begin to unpack what are our feelings, thoughts, and beliefs about money? Because if we don't unpack that, then we're not prepared to go and see a Simone and, and build the legacy of generational wealth that every single one of our families deserve, right? So we have to have the tools and the awareness uh, to be able to unpack our thoughts, feelings, and emotions about money because oftentimes that seven-year-old girl that may have seen parents disagree or argue about money or talk about the fact that, you know, we got to rob Peter to pay Paul or that seven-year-old girl who was listening in on those conversations where she was listening to parents discuss how they were going to pay the bills and make ends meet. If we don't unpack our feelings, thoughts, and emotions about money, Pam, then that seven-year-old girl is still running the money show as we age into our 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to connect with a person like Simone or a person like myself who can help you really get to the root of what is your relationship with money? Mm-hmm. When the word money comes up, Pam, what are the thoughts, ideas, and emotions that are invoked in you, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what are some of your habits? If you take a look at your habits and your experience with money right now, where does that all come from? Well, like Simone said, you got to understand what that relationship is and where it came from right. in order to uh, understand that, improve it, and make it better. Well, one of the things, this is a, a very uh, truthful moment for me. Uh, both of you guys um, are in my life for a reason. And money was something that I, money mindset was something that I struggled with, Simone. Again, I had hardworking parents. My mother was a stay-at-home mom. My dad was a mailman. And they were hard worker. Mm-hmm. And, and and really, a lot of the things that um, we had I, growing up, I did not know we were uh, lower middle class, right? I, I just thought we were rich, you know, I, whatever I wanted for Christmas, I got. <laughs> that was the thing. But I remember uh, having a, uh, a thing in college. And this is something maybe, Simone, you could kind of remember or what they did for people in college is that they would give you credit cards. And they would give you credit cards because they know you're coming out of college and you're going to have a job and you're going to get these credit cards. Well, I felt like my parents never really used credit cards. I was like, oh, and I'm getting these credit cards. When I tell you, I felt like I hit the lottery. Like, I think one of my first cards was like discover. And then I got this. And then it became, this is true, a game for me. Mm. How many can I get? Mm. And that that traveled to when I got to the point where I got a job. I got a good job when I got out of college. That made more than my father, actually. And so I still was applying for credit cards. Like it was a game. I never had a conversation about interest rates. I never had any. And so at one point in time, I had probably about 50 credit cards that had stuff on them. Whoa. I like a Marshall Fields card. I'm dating myself, right? Where I would go in there and buy cookies just to flash the card. Wow. How is that? Yeah. That was just how crazy it became my my money store because it was like all this. And I remember I was dating my husband one time and, um, you know, we're married now about 25 years. And I think while we were dating, he saw all my credit cards and he was like, whoa, 
It was almost a deal buster for him. <laughs> what is up with this woman here with all these credit cards? It was like, and I wow. just felt like long as I can make the minimum payment, I'm good. I'm just thinking about those interest rates. I'm telling you, right? <laughs> Tell us about the interest rates. Yeah, those interest rates. And that keeps you like a slave. And I, I think there's just there's just two ways you can think about money, really. It's scarcity and then abundance, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of times people have that scarcity, so they become hoarders of money, right? I'm, I'm you know, the the advanced savers, I call them. They save, 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 and they don't enjoy their money. Or yes. you'll have the abundance and just, you know, thinking money's going to forever be flowing. You kind of have to be somewhere in the middle, right, of both okay. of those um, I feel, but um, it is definitely a journey. It takes baby steps. You know, you don't want to leap till the final, the end, but it's delayed gratification. That's what I try to teach my clients is really, if you can put off a purchase, even they say, wait 30 days before you actually buy it. A lot of times you forget to even want to purchase that, um, that item. But I do know we, there's a lot of predatory, especially with the college, like you, you fell right in the hands of a credit card. Um, you know, those companies, they really do prey on those who pay those minimum interest rates because you'll be paying it forever. Right. And then they're winning. So if you can't, you know, the goal, don't use more than 50% of your line of credit. Um, if 30% if possible and really pay your balance at the end of each month and be consistent with that for sure. See, with your dad being an accountant, he taught you those principles really early, right? Those are some of the things that you had. And then you then you went into the finance. So what what um tell people exactly, Simone, what it is that you do because you, you obviously you do finance things, but but tell us well, about your company. I, I like to call myself a wealth preserver. You know, there's finance, but then there's also preserving your wealth. And through estate planning strategies, I think that's so important hmm. because, you know, you see Michael Jackson, Aretha Franklin, their assets in property, you yes. know, like who, there was nobody who can help. Prince as well. Mm -hmm. Right. So I work with my team and we really do strategic planning, estate planning and really preserve your wealth. Okay. All right. All right. As I'm saying hello over here to Charvette Mitchell. Uh, Stacia Crawford says she got her first American Express in college. It was disastrous because she didn't have a good money foundation. I see Cheryl Moses here as well. She said hello to you guys as well. Uh, it's just one of those things that I really want people to understand uh, about money. Uh, this particular book, I got this years ago and it really did. I want to say, uh, Monique, it really did change my life. And I felt that yeah. once I read it, that I wasn't the only one. So anyone who feels shame around money yeah. um, because, because they make it, but for whatever reason, it's not manifesting enough around you that you're always worried about it. Yeah. So what, what, was, what was the catalyst that made you really dig dive you know dive deep into uh your money story what was yeah, that such a great question pam the thing that made me really want to study money was that i was as you mentioned earlier i was in a very high visibility career i was uh, a broadcaster on radio and tv and i would i love my job i love creating content i was a content creator before that was like a cool word you know influencer before that was a thing back in the late 90s early 2000s absolutely loved my job 
Uh, thank you, Stacia. <laughs> and <laughs> I um, would have done it for free. Like that's how you know when you and your purpose, right? You you doing your work, and you like if they don't pay me, I'm okay with that too. Uh, but what I noticed is that as I started to advance in that career, my colleagues in the media and Stacia knows about this. Girl, they were like booking like those seven figure contracts. And, you know, here I was, I was a producer, I was a host, I was a booker, I was doing all the things mm -hmm. and I was doing a talk show. So I didn't read from a teleprompter. I didn't have the luxury of a teleprompter. I had to come off the dome every single day for a live three hour show. So I was a baddie, if I do say so myself. <laughs> but the thing was, while my colleagues who were news readers, and I love them all, I mean, I have so much respect for many of them, they were getting seven-figure contracts. And I was like, well, wow, I'm barely making like $35,000, $40,000 on this job. And at first I thought, well, maybe I'm just not at the right station or maybe I'm just not from the right pedigree. You know, I'm just a little black girl from the South side of Chicago. So maybe if I change my environment, that'll change my, my uh, income. Uh, but what I discovered later, Pam, is that it had nothing to do with those external things. The reason why I was not making what I felt I was worth was because of the mindset. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to what Simone was talking about earlier. Uh, it, I didn't understand that I did not have a healthy, good, solid relationship or understanding uh, of money. And, and so what I did was I started a side hustle because I did want to supplement my income. I was a new mom at that point. I started a side hustle. My, start, my side hustle started to make a lot of money very quickly. But in the midst of that, I began to talk to other women and recognize that so many women who were young, uh, ambitious in their careers they were having the same struggles, hardworking, but just weren't making a, the, the amount of money that they felt they deserved. And so I started to hear that a lot. So that led me into studying money, Simone, and really this desire to really understand, to get to know what I didn't know. And that's when I discovered the money story, that mm. our money story, uh, that story that we tell ourselves about money is what can create those invisible ceilings or plateaus, if you will. And so as I began to change my money story, Pam, as I began to get coaching, as I began to talk to other women who were wealthy and, and just discover things, it began to turn around. Wow. And that made me want to go into this work and help women and write books and become a coach and all those things. Oh my God. That is so good. That is so good. Uh, you know, one of the things that um, when you do have a right relationship with money, yeah. you will not be afraid to walk into like the office of Simone Shepard and say, hey, I'd like to talk about estate planning. Uh, I'd like to talk about insurance. I'd like to talk about, I mean, there's other things that will prevent us from talking about it. And I'm trying to teach my daughter. My daughter is 26. And I said, you need to invest in the things that you buy. If you buy Nike, you need to buy Nike stock. If you buy this, you need to buy such and such. And she's like, I don't have enough money to invest. Oh, And so I'm like, I need them to understand. So Simone, I know your, your passion point is women and also young women as well. Uh, explain to me what you would say to people who say, I can't, or I'm not ready for that, or I don't have enough to go to see anybody about estate planning. I mean, th th those are the things that, that probably hold us up. For oh, absolutely. Things. I think it's just 
you know, we chase money so often and it's like a butterfly, right? It, it will come if, when we just sit still and allow this information to fall upon us, especially the younger generation. They definitely need this information a lot sooner because that time horizon, right? They have so much time to do great things with um, their investments. But uh, for me personally, it's that back to education, empowering Typically, um, a lot of my clients come to me through referrals. I think that that's important that those warm introductions or people who've had good experiences, maybe to share a friend of your daughter's um, might have a faster way of getting to her than someone on the outside who is doing well, kind of like how Monique shared. She started hanging out with wealthy people, sharing best practices. Um, the five people you spend the most time with, those are your reference groups, right? So if all your friends, I would tell your daughter, who are your friends? I always yeah. teach that to my girls. Like I, the five people you spend the most time with, those are the people who you will become. Like if they're not making money, if they're lacking, you'll be right along with them, right? So I would personally not really force the issue, but encourage her to find people in her circle who might have a little bit more knowledge, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, seek your peers or, or reading, send her nice books to read um, on it that she can maybe relate. And I can definitely send some ideas on that too, right? Because it has to be everyone's own personal time. Um, you know, I've, I've had so many people just not ready. So it's only when that person is ready, can they really make that change? So That's true. nothing you can say, nothing I can say, it has to be up to that person to feel ready to make better decisions with their money. Why is money so emotional? It's very emotional. It's it's one of those things where we don't talk about those things, quote unquote, at the table, right? Yeah. At least in black families. <laughs> anyway, it's just kind of yeah. like, we don't talk about those things at the table. We we I remember, let me tell you this. This is this is again another shocking thing for me. I had a, an uncle that recently passed a couple of years ago, and he was a mailman as well, like my dad. And you talk about the millionaire next door. Well, he was. He was actually a millionaire when he died. He had investments and that sort of thing. But he lived like a pauper. When we went over his house, when he actually died, he did not even have heat because he didn't want to spend the money to get it fixed. Now, we're in Detroit. Wow. He was not, he was, he didn't spend a dime on clothes. He never married. He lived in the basement of the house where he grew up in. And, and I mean, when I tell you that it's like you, you were talking about someone where you said people hoard money, he hoarded it, but he died at 82, 83 years old and never went on a vacation. Never, never spent any of it. It's scarcity because people feel like it could run out, right? So it's yeah. like it's so back to that mindset. You really have to understand your relationship as you grew up. You know, it might be a traumatic story behind why he is that way that you'll never know. Um, but usually it's deep rooted um, on why people have different relationships with money. So, I think therapy is always a good thing, you know, to bring some of those things out for people out there, you know, talking about, you know, why you're a certain way in relationships and it's the same kind of conversation. Why do I have this, you, you know, you, it, the money is a relationship. You have to have a relationship with it. Why do I have this relationship with money and try to figure that out? And it goes back to earlier, what did you learn? What was your first encounter when, you know, you said, 
my parents, it was always tension around money. You know, I think that that is a lifelong um, problem that you probably unconsciously have affected you in your money decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that, Pam. If I can, I add something yeah. to that? that. That was brilliant. I think that, you know, to answer your question about why we are so emotional about money. Yes, I agree with Simone. It's because of that scarcity mindset. It all starts with the mindset. Everything starts with the mindset, mm-hmm. right? It, it, scarcity mindset will repel money. And yes. we, because of our history in this country, in this world, you know, money has always been a source of pain because for many, many years, it was so hard for us to come by, as you said, especially for African-Americans. And so we come from that space. But what I've discovered just in my years of coaching and receiving coaching around money and, and on this constant journey of taking my money story to the next level is that money, there's no shortage of money in this world, right? Money is flowing freely in this world, but it's flowing freely to four specific types of people. And I'd love to, can I share? who? Yes, yes. We put it in the magazine, but I I love that because that is so true. I even put the video there as well. So let's talk about the four types of people where it flows. So it's really important to know that money flows freely to people who are not afraid of it, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to people who respect it, Mm -hmm. to people who understand it, and to people who are generous with it. I'll, yes. I'll go over that again. Yes, money generosity is so key. Yes. So key. And that gets to our spiritual principles that you know we may or may not have time to talk about, but uh, generosity is key. So people who uh, understand it, people, again, must understand that, first of all, it is important for us all to have safe spaces where we can talk about money. That's what we're talking about it here. That's why I have the Systemomics podcast. That's why Simone and I do the work that we do because we enjoy creating these spaces so that we can help people cultivate an understanding of money, how it works, why you shouldn't hoard, why when you save a certain amount, then it's time to invest. So when you have a better understanding of money, then you can relax a little bit about it, right? Mm -hmm. And, And so understanding is key. And then also when you respect it, this goes back to one of the fundamentals that I've been teaching people about money for years. You respect money. One of the ways that you respect money is making sure that it doesn't have to try to thrive in a chaotic environment like your purse or your wallet. If you look at your purse right now, is your purse organized or is it a hot mess? Let's be honest about it. Is your wallet full of old receipts and old candy wrappers and old papers and whatnot, things that are expired? You know, you want to make sure that you're respecting your money by making sure it's not all balled up in your purse and wallet. Organize it in denominational order. Make sure that if you do still carry cash, that it is in an orderly position in your wallet and your purse ain't full of junk. Let's just be Mm -hmm. honest, ladies. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's how you respect it. One of the ways that you respect it. Respect is also knowing how much you have. As well, oh, maybe listen, it's, you gotta know your like, numbers. Yeah, know your numbers. Know your number. <laughs> gotta know your numbers. And, and you will ask them, well, how much how much money you get? Oh, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You don't exactly. know how much is in your purse? Like yes. really? So yes. so anybody you can set your purse down, somebody could take $20 out your purse, and you wouldn't even you wouldn't even know the difference. <laughs> you would never know. So you're right. Knowing your numbers is an example of how you respect your money and then not being afraid of it. um, This is something that I still encounter today occasionally when I'm first starting out working with a woman 
uh, and I'll ask her what her money goal is. And she may say, oh, you know, somewhere around, I don't know. It's like you're this really, this real yeah. discomfort, the body language changes mm -hmm. and everything. Mm -hmm. And they'll stop short of a, a really big, bold number. And that's because there's still some fear. There's still some curiosity about, am I really worthy of that? You know, and I know this because that was me. Right. Mm -hmm. So we can't be afraid to say my goal this year is to make three point five million dollars in revenue in my business. Or if that's not your number, my goal is to make three hundred thousand or if that's not your number, whatever it is. But just making sure it puts you in a little bit of a space of discomfort when you say that number, because breakthroughs cannot happen in a comfort zone. So we have Ooh. to be fearless enough to say those large numbers yeah. and know that we may not be comfortable with it right now. But we can still move toward that anyway. Yeah. And lastly, the generosity piece is key because I'm a spiritual person. I believe in tithing. And I've long taught that that in order for us to have a breakthrough, we have to tithe, we have to sow, and we have to save. Sow to grow. And so, mm -hmm. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and, it, and there's a biblical principle. There's a, a, a spiritual mandate, if you will, around tithing. And it is still relevant in the New Testament. Jesus said it. If you want to go there, we can have that conversation offline. <laughs> but I'm just saying, yes, yes. You know, tithing, sowing, saving. If tithing isn't your thing, just being generous. That is a spiritual law and it works regardless of who you are. And yeah. then, you know, even, you know, when you talk about tithing and being generous, when when the government gives you a tax break because you give to charity, you can even see that that is encouraged and why that is, right? It's like, where did that come from? It's like, okay, well, if you give to the Salvation Army, whatever, you're going to get a break. And it's really that in the natural, but it's also that in the spiritual. So everything has a, a you know, a spiritual relationship with that. And that's so, so key. I um, We're like at 2947. Uh, so I want to respect you ladies' times. Uh, last words, Simone Shepard. Um, and then also to want you to tell people how they can uh, get in touch with you. I know obviously on LinkedIn, that's where a lot of us are watching from right now, but I think you have your name.com. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> SimoneShepard.com. And I'm also on LinkedIn as well. And just remember, it's just a journey. Just think about it day by day. Don't look at the final destination. Just take it step by step. And the first step is understanding your past so that you can move forward. I love that. That is so true. That is so true. And Monique Herodine Kitchens, uh, cover of Speakers Magazine, will be also having another interview with BSN, Black Speakers Network, on Saturday at noon. So you actually can tune in with us there as well. But are there any last words that you would like to share with those who have tuned in? I said, Pamela Ewing said, um, she said, so glad, glad that she tuned in and that she stumbled in on the show and um, basically is really an informative discussion. So we, we discuss money openly. I, I, both of these ladies love talking about it. They know it. And that's why I brought them. And Rosaline Gordon as well. She's a money person as well. She's in finance. She says people relate money to their personal worth. They avoid discussing it to avoid embarrassment and pain. It's that emotional thing. The truth is that the more it's discussed, and practice the better we will be with money. And Rosalie knows because she's a finance person. So that she's saying it from the standpoint, from the natural, but also from the emotional that she knows that as well. Mm -hmm. So Monique. The only thing I would say is that if you're listening to us right now, whether it's live or on the replay, my belief is that we all deserve to have more than enough money to do whatever it is we need to do. I personally know I've had 
seven figures and beyond and I've had nothing. And I know for a fact that money, even when I had seven figures, didn't make me happy, but it is a great tool to have. And so understand, you know, that money is a tool and we deserve to live in overflow because I feel like our children and the generations that come beyond them, they deserve to have an advantage and not have to struggle. And if nothing else, we deserve to live in that overflow so that we can live lavishly from the saucer and then give generously from the cup and make sure our kids don't have to struggle. I love that. Thank you guys. Oh, that was wonderful. That was wonderful. So I, I thank you all for joining us today on Speakers Magazine. Uh, Monique's uh, story is is in the magazine, speakersmagazine.com. She has books as well. Simone Shepard, you need uh, more information. Again, simoneshepard.com. Uh, spelling is right there. And they'll be in the show notes as well when we have it on the site as well, but it's all on the podcast, YouTube, LinkedIn. We try to put it as many places as possible because we know that everybody needs to hear this information. And if you want to have a more deeper conversation with any of the ladies, please feel free to, to direct message them, go on their website, send them a message because it's too important to just stay silent about something that like Monique said, that we should live in overflow. You know, mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that Simone talks about is abundance. So with that, ladies, thank you all so much for joining us today for Speakers Magazine. Thank um, you. It's a pleasure. I'm, I'm Pam Perry and I am out. God bless you guys. Bye.